This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks. To learn more and sign up for our industry newsletter, please visit Hostfully.com. Hey, fellow hosts, if you want to take your hosting business to the next level, then join the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Whether you own, rent, or manage properties, we have the resources, the tools, and the community to help you achieve your goals. The Short-Term Rental Profit Academy is ready for any host, any size, and includes a membership portal with over 50 hours of video lessons, a private Facebook group, and weekly live coaching calls, where Eric and I give you direct feedback and help you solve your biggest challenges. We're all about taking action and getting results. So if you're ready to start crushing it, sign up for our program at strprofitacademy.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. What's up, everybody? Episode number 353 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I'm here with my very good friend, Mac Owen. He's the CEO and founder of Day One Stays, a 30-night-plus furnished rental company in Seattle, corporate housing. Uh, he used to do a little short-term, uh, but now he's uh, pivoted to the 30-night-plus uh, stay model, and he's also working on a, on a property management and investing real estate company called Safari. He's a very active member of our community. He's a legend. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see he has an awesome virtual background, and he's been uh, yeah, he's been in our community uh, for uh, years. So, Mac, welcome to the show. Hey, Jasper, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's awesome. So good to see you and be a part of the group and a legend and on this podcast. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about your company, how you've pivoted to the, to the longer stays. You're in a market, of course, Seattle, that was hit the hardest or at least one of the hardest in the US, right? Isn't Seattle where the first outbreaks of coronavirus happened in the US? Yeah, I would say it happened kind of at, towards the end of February. And I noticed some of the other legends, it took about a week and a half to two weeks to, to kind of see what we were seeing with cancellations. But yeah, there's basically travel stop first here in Seattle and it's pretty nasty here. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to talk about how you managed to get yourself through that crisis, how you managed to pivot. You pivoted very, very fast. I noticed they were one of the first ones who decided, okay, we need, we need to jump on those, those 30 day stays. But why don't you share your story? I've known you for a while. Um, why don't you share your story first of how you build up your short-term rental empire in Seattle? I started off, you know, master leasing and I leased one of my apartments in downtown Seattle at really good rents. And at the time this was about 2013 and I uh, put it up on Airbnb and I figured I could make some really good money doing it more than I was making at my job that I, I had just lost a few, few weeks ago. So that happened. And then I, I, I rode that out for five, five months until the landlord kind of 
was on to what I was up to, and so I stopped at that point. But uh, the experience gave me quite a bit of, you know, new insight into the hospitality and hosting, and basically got the entrepreneurial bug at that point. Like I think I always had it, but that was like, what if I had five of these? And so that essentially, I, I figured out how to locate properties, ask the landlords for for units to let me Airbnb. It was a good time because Seattle was just booming, and properties were available. There are a lot of new buildings where you can go just ask and take over maybe four units or five units, just furnish them yourselves. And, and that's essentially what I did. I needed a, a partner to kind of help with the, the funding. And I found a couple and I, just, I don't have them at the moment, like working with me anymore. So, but yeah, they, they helped at the beginning and I essentially scaled it on my own from about five or six units a month, I would say during the, the peak of it, you know, just buying the furniture, furnishing them myself, picked up a BA who, I, who came through the podcast. She, she listened to your podcast and she, she reached out to me and um, I hired her and I didn't hire VAs until about year two and a PMS system until about year two when I already had about like 50 units. That was about in like 2017 and that kind of helped like me grow even more. Fast forward, you know, the regulations in Seattle happened when I got up to about 100 units. And that's kind of when I decided to shift over to 30-day stays. We already had a bit of 30-day stays in, like, in our portfolio. It was just kind of not consistent. It wasn't like you, we didn't really focus all in on one. It just would have been really difficult to scale a company focusing on one. So we essentially were a hybrid model still doing short-term rentals, still doing 30-day stays and trying our best to um, be really flexible with our model and our inventory so we could just continue to keep as many units as possible. And as of today, we, we had to let some units go because of COVID in some leases, but right now we're, we're at about 30 units or somewhere around there and still working out some of the, the fine, finer details. And that's basically what we're up to right now. Right. And you, you, so you scaled all the way up to a hundred units, right? With the, mainly with the master leasing model. If you were to build a company over again, and I know you are kind of, you're, you are kind of building a new company now, but what are some of the, what are some of the top learning lessons from that experience of scaling up to a hundred units and what would you have done differently? Because I think I have you guys as legends group connected with each and one of you. And I also listen to your podcast for notes. Some of the things like Rebecca's previous podcast was, you know, having a VA team there so they can do all those things for me that I don't want to do. There's literally a hundred things that I, I, I used to do at the very beginning that I would never do again, such as signing all the leases, setting up the internet, getting the keys, you know, setting out the clean schedule. So I would just, I would never do that. I'd have the VAs do that. And I would focus my time on the deal. I love doing the deals. I love meeting the property, seeing the properties and figuring out how we were going to like maximize the revenue. So I think I would have definitely done that differently because when it came time to negotiate with landlords or set up the deals at the very beginning, I, I didn't take that into consideration that things being discussed such as rent increases could impact our, our bottom line later on down the road. I was happy getting offered leases, but I don't think I structured them and considered the, the long term in the long sense. So if you could 
say that rent increases, that would be, you know, one way to go. Or now I would also probably have said revenue share. Let's, let's try to like have that discussion now versus later. And also like pandemic clauses, should mm-hmm. something happen or a recession clause that basically you, we can have this discussion and, you know, it's not going to be difficult for us to, to figure it out. We would have already have gone over these, these discussions like in the beginning, you know, what's the best way to get through this situation. So that would be different. A few other things I would do different, you know, would be managing cash flow. So in Seattle, there's a seasonality to our market where you do really well in the summer and then in the winter, it's pretty difficult, at least for the master leasing. I assume that if I'm managing other people's properties, which I'm working on that right now, it's, it's a little bit easier to manage cash flow. But in the master leasing model, it's, it's challenging because you really don't make as much money in, in the winter, but yet you still have really high rents. So you, you kind of are really, and as you're scaling and buying furniture, you know, and adding however many units you're adding, that, that's really a challenge to keep an eye on your cash flow and your cash reserves. And that's one thing that I struggled with. So keep an eye on that and not necessarily having to always grow, grow, grow. That's one thing. And the other thing I'd probably say is, as I said, I, I have you guys. I also think having people to reach out to that have special knowledge. For example, one that I'm thinking about is like land use, like someone with experience in, in development or land use who can kind of help me understand how zoning and stuff like that might work if I wanted to, to build out a part hotel, for example, or if someone wanted me to manage it for them, you know, I, I would need to understand how that all works. And so having a, a close network and trusted friends that I can reach out to. I would also probably say the other thing would be not, not cutting corners. So what, what I mean by that is security and like safety and being professional with things such as noise aware devices and auto host um, background screening, just because you know, you, you need to have that so you can sleep better at night, like, and, and protect the property, protect your guests, protect your team. So when things like COVID happen, you, you're, you're ready to deal with it. You know, like during COVID, there was a lot of bad guests and I wasn't sure like how to, how to basically handle that. But, you know, stepping up our screening process was, you know, very important. And, um, retraining the, the BAs was really important, but I think using technology to, to help your team make it easier on them is very important. And I also, on the last thing I would, I would definitely, I would definitely hire, you know, like I would definitely be careful about my hiring and not cut corners there as well. Probably have everyone be employees like the cleaning staff or, or have them be their own, um, their own company, hire out an, another company just to not have any issues about, you know, if they're a subcontractor or not. So that, that's probably the last thing. How do you manage your, your cleaners? Did you have your own cleaners or were you working with cleaning companies? At the beginning, I found a few cleaners, you know, basically off Craigslist and that didn't work out as well. They managed part of our portfolio at certain properties. And then I found a really, really awesome cleaner. Luckily through, um, I, I work with a professional management company who, who had some cleaners and, you know, one we worked it out where she just became her main cleaner. She had her own company. So I saw that we, we wrote out a contract and she, she took over our cleaning and she's still doing our cleaning now and she's very proud of her work. So I think 
by having that, I feel comfortable. I, I wouldn't run into any problems with employment. <laughs> so I know yeah. for a fact he has her own company. Right. So you mentioned a lot of different things that I want to go into. But, uh, but first of all, you mentioned, you mentioned how the master lease model is, is risky, right? It requires quite a lot of investment. You're committing to leases for long term. And then obviously, I mean, nobody could have really foresee this pandemic, right? Now, looking back, you might think, well, I should have put a, a pandemic clause in there, right? That's Harry hindsight is what we call that. But do you think, uh, do you think going forward, uh, do you think people are still going to use that model at all? Like the master leasing model? That's a very good question. And what I'm seeing right now is it would be actually a interesting time to sign leases because in Seattle and San Francisco and a few other cities, I'm sure the rents are dropping dramatically and buildings they're vacating. So it's like, it actually seems like a kind of an interesting time to, to lease if the numbers work out because the rents in our buildings, you know, they kept escalating, as I mentioned, 10% each year. Right. But now the same units I'm renting because they, they refuse to, to lower my rents. But if they're renting to a new tenant, it's like $600 a month cheaper and they're offering 10 weeks free and, you know, uh, free parking and, you know, all this stuff. So I think it'll be a good time to negotiate with the landlords depending on the season to like in urban cities. So I think if you, if you kind of run the numbers and you, it's a different, it's a different profile, like the, the revenue might be a little bit less, but then also the deal that you might be able to get also is also that the rents are shrinking. So, I think it, I think it could, could work out if you, if you work out some of those details that we mentioned, like if it, you're communicating that no rent increases in the future, like, you know, no lease break penalties of two months. So I think if you kind of have that on your plate, you, you can go in there and, and then just be ready to talk each year about the lease and say, I'm going to leave if, if not, you know, but I want to know, I want you to know ahead of time that this is what we'd like to do. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like right now, obviously there, there, there's going to be, it's a difficult time. So there, there's going to be opportunities. And if you can negotiate those deals, then interestingly enough, it might actually be a good time to, to pick up some, pick up some units because I'm sure like two or three years ago, there was no way you could negotiate, you know, a two month uh, notice period for breaking the lease. And, you know, you probably have to pay like a couple months deposit um, it was really the power was really on the landlord um, because there was so so much demand, right? Right now, that's kind of shifted, right? The 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 power has shifted more to to the renter. Plus, there is a lot of uh, renter protection laws in place right now, or regulations in place right now, right? You can't you can't really kick anybody out right now in a lot of places uh, because of the COVID as well. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like, it's a very interesting point and. I think I, I noticed that some operators have been churning and shedding their own units. So it might be an opportunity for, for you to look like the hero in this situation. If some other operators giving rid of 10 units at a building, all its furniture is in there. It might be a good time to go talk to that landlord and say, you've reached a deal with that operator to assume those. So he won't have an empty property. So let's work something out. Like we've, reviewed what's happened the last few months. Let, let's make something happen. So it's a win-win for us all. Like, I think your business would benefit from it. I think, it, I mean, that's, it's just, it's just coming out from a different perspective where you're 
we aren't like you said where we were two or three years ago obviously so it's just a different different time and place it'll be interesting to see what new companies emerge in this space without any damage to continue operating like in the same model that they were before so yeah i think it'd be a really good time to also get furniture on the cheap too from some because that's one of the most expensive things so that, that's one thing i'd look out for is who's selling furniture really cheap really nice furniture. yeah because furniture is an interesting one right because furniture depreciates so fast um it's literally like you buy furniture a couple of years later it's worth almost almost nothing right mm-hmm. um but if you're if you're buying your furniture new then it's a it, the bills like will add up uh, very very quickly so you can, like you said, if you can scoop up uh, a bunch of furniture that's like a year or two old and it still looks good, then that could be a really, really cheap way to furnish your, uh, your units. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing to know people, to know other businesses, and then to maybe they know other businesses too and they can help you. So that's, that's one thing I, I share and think the Legends Group also can, can provide and yeah. So I want to shift uh, a little bit here and talk about how did you manage to get through this crisis? Because, you know, you're in Seattle, one of the hardest hit markets. You know, you had up to 100 units. You've had to scale down significantly. You've had to have negotiations with the landlords, breaking leases, all, all of that kind of stuff. How did you manage to stay mentally sane throughout that period? Because it must have been very, very stressful. There's a few things, I think a couple come to mind. The gyms, when they closed, that was really difficult. Like, it's like I, you know, it's part of my routine to go to, to the gym and I'm sure everybody else like had things impacted. But I, I would say I did things such as take bike rides with my daughter. Those were always like a daily thing. But then again, having the Legends group phone calls, being involved, like jumping on phone calls, chatting, like talking about how, how it's going with them and just, not thinking solely about myself and essentially having that opportunity to see what I could be doing differently, 30 day stays and sharing, sharing knowledge with other people who, who can like, what are my steps might be to, to, to fill in some units in, in a different way that they might not be accustomed to as kind of what we started focusing on. And so that, that really helped. So yeah, that that's, those are two of the things I'd say those are the two things. It's, it's just reaching out and communicating and staying in touch with, the legends, the legends network and, you know, just getting used to staying at home <laughs> and, and <laughs> definitely difficult. And now that like three or four months ago, you know, like, or for the last few months, the gyms reopened and that's been nice for me. So I've been able to get back into the gym and you know, get things back on track and restart a new company. That was one thing that was difficult was not having a company that was growing at that point. So I thought, you know, I know how to start a company, so I started the new company, Safari, and that's focused on a new a new market, a different a different market, a few hours outside of Seattle that I, I'm working on right now. So that 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 shifted my attention to that. I knew that urban travel um, places where you travel to would be an opportunity for me to kind of to seek out and look at, and I and I've analyzed it quite a bit. I've located some properties, and that's basically you know we're, we're what I'm doing right now. So I think that's helped knowing that I, I can shift gears and, and still I feel good about that. Hi, everybody. It's Margot Schmorak. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hostfully. 
We are so happy to be sponsoring this podcast with Jasper in hopes that it helps you during this challenging time. Hostfully helps 17,000 property managers around the world with property management software and digital guidebooks. And even in the midst of these hard times, we're seeing our customers get creative. I thought you might like to hear a few stories from them. One of our customers who's based outside of New York City is changing their rental model and shifting to long-term stays. And despite many cancellations, she was able to get a two-month booking in one of her rentals. Another customer took advantage of this time to do some poignant email marketing, emphasizing that they thoroughly cleaned the rental after every guest, and also implementing a 48-hour waiting period to protect future guests from any potential harm. To hear more stories like these and prepare yourself for this very low, but hopefully very short season, please go to hostfully.com and sign up for our newsletter. We're excited to hear from you. Be well. Yeah, you've, you know, you've built that company and you, you know, if you're build, if you're able to build a company from scratch with no experience, with no entrepreneurial experience coming straight out of a job, now you started in 2013. So now you have like seven years of entrepreneurial experience under your belt, right? So if you could do it then, then you should be able to do it again, right? Yeah, it was definitely, you know, starting off with not very much money at all. <laughs> so I, I feel... I feel really happy that I got this, this opportunity. Yeah. And you mentioned safari. Um, that makes me think of elephants and giraffes. And do you have those animals around Seattle? <laughs> nope, we do not. We have some whales that you can see every now and then sea otters, but yeah, not, not, not too many exotic animals. But yeah. <laughs> but it, it's safari. My, my daughter's name is Sophia. And then my niece is Ari. And so it's safari. So awesome. So oh, you spell it differently than the yeah. safari. It sounds like safari, but it's actually safari. So ah, I got it. Awesome. That's uh, that's cool, man. That's a cool name. So yeah, so you're expanding to uh, smaller markets outside of the urban, big urban cities, um, which which are the markets that are doing really really well right now. Uh, we just uh, on our last call. One of the legends in Arkansas was sharing how he's ha- how he had a uh, a record month actually in August, which is which is awesome to hear. There seems to be a pretty big divide between operators in the big cities and operators outside of the bigger cities. What what are your thoughts on that? I would agree 100. percent I think this year has been challenging in Seattle, so I think a lot of the operators are planning just to have long-term renters in their units sign six-month leases or with their tenants so they can have the opportunity to re-Airbnb them maybe next May when the summer comes back, hopefully. So that I've noticed that, you know, the housing market in Seattle is super, super expensive. So the numbers are really challenging to work out. If you're, if you're an owner giving an operator, you know, 25% of the revenue, because that's kind of the standard number. It, it, the numbers just don't work like right now, at least with rates so low compared to what they had been. So those will have to, I think, come back. But like on the other hand, you had the, the drive to destinations, like you mentioned, those are doing really well. And then in those locations, the real estate is much cheaper. And so the numbers are just so, uh, so I've been learning that too. I think during COVID was, you know, like what have I, I, I focused on that and potentially buying some, some real estate in these markets, similar to maybe like what you, you, you know, I know you buy real estate, but yeah, I don't own any real estate, but I'm planning to buy some in those markets 
and you know it's 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 going to be that's part of my other goal to acquire assets too. Yeah, so I actually just stayed at a castle uh, last weekend. Uh, me and a bunch of friends rented out a castle, which was very very affordable. Uh, we went with ten people. It was a five bedroom castle, eleven hundred years old, just an hour and a half outside of Barcelona, located in a uh, national park. And I don't know what the rates were before COVID, but we only ended up spending per person uh, about $250 for a free night stay. Uh, and that included all the, the food and the drinks and everything that we, brought, that we brought. It was only ended up being $250 in it per person, you know, which is less than $100 a night for staying at a prehistoric castle, I would almost say. Um, which was really, really awesome. And um, if you're listening to this, go ahead and check out my Instagram, Get Paid For Your Pad. I put, I'm putting up some pictures on there. And uh, yeah, it just looks incredible. And, you know, that made me think, you know, the secondary markets are, are doing really, really well. And we're seeing operators that are actually raising prices in those markets. But I think if you, if you look on Airbnb, maybe look at some of the lesser known areas you can find like incredible deals from the guest perspective. Yeah, I just wanted to share that with everybody. If you go on a little trip nearby your, your house where you live, uh, you might be able to find something really, really uh, cool like we did. Mac, let's talk about the live events because you were one of the legends that came to Puerto Rico and you came to Cartagena as well. So, you know, obviously we wanted to do more live events, but right now that's, uh, that's really, really complicated to do a live event, but definitely we'll do more in the future. I'm just curious to know for, from you, since you've been to both events, like what, what were kind of like your expectations and then what was your experience like at these events? I love to travel. And so I was really excited about it and not having people in Seattle to essentially talk about business with because we were all kind of kind of an interesting business that we don't have a lot of uh, competition you can kind of just go chat with. So I was very excited about the opportunity to meet people from different areas of the world. Although it was, it was a bit scary to, to spend the money and then to go and this to do it. But I, I was excited to do it. And once I got there, it, it just it blew my mind. You were one of the first people I met and you brought me a beer and you introduced me to the other operators there as the Mac attack, I think. And then you introduced me and it was really funny because I, I have, you introduced me as the first person who's had a podcast removed and get paid for your pad history. I thought that was really funny. And, you know, you, we, we just relaxed and had a beer and you know, that was great. So there were six, six people in that group, but then quickly, you know, more and more people came in and then the house filled up, but it was just, conversations like I've never like I never had before with other people uh, all focused on our businesses learning about what cities are from what you know what's their model um, that was a definition of networking in that house that you had in Puerto Rico like we're gonna do this for four days it's not there's not gonna be anything like it like the food was just incredible having um, the house was just incredible so everything was like done really well I know is probably difficult to, to for you guys to get that all of us there under one roof in this place like that. I can't imagine how much work you guys did. Um, but yeah, it, it was so much fun. And some of the, the moments that I, I remember, um, a lot of times where people were just in circles talking and I might get distracted and like, I just, I, I never had that much 
conversation about what it was I was doing and wanting to learn what other people were doing. People like Anton, who, who unfortunately isn't with us. I'm very sad and thinking of Anton and his family, you know, quite a bit, but yeah, like I, I learned quite a bit from that guy and I, Rebecca, and there's a hand, there's just so many people I learned so much from and what I was dealing with at that time in my business, which at that time happened to be regulations in Seattle. Um, so getting some answers and guidance from them at that time was very memorable and helpful for me for the next year that really helped like pivot my business model and to kind of get things kind of straightened out and hear you guys and what you guys thought. Like when I did my, my hot seat, that, that really kind of helped, helped me share my story and, and, you know, get to, to talk and to hear other people's hot seats. That was pretty cool. So there were definitely some fun parts, definitely too, in Cartagena. Like the whole thing was just insanely fun because we had met each other. So for the second Legends, we had already known each other. So coming back for second one, plus having met each other up in New Orleans for VRMA was, was also really cool to, to see you guys again. So the, the third one was just like I felt a bit more comfortable. I kind of knew some of the people because some people returned, but getting to meet new people was great. And that was just the, the coolest place. I've always wanted to go to, the, to, to Columbia. So good job for like getting that all done. But yeah, there, there was just everything about it. The excursion that we went on was great. And then, you know, just like the people that you guys got there to go, like we, were all, we all got along so well. And th those are people that I, I call, like I've, I've called them once or twice, like every other day, like one of the legends in the group in the virtual mastermind as well. So it's just been a networking, like it's done so much for my network. I, I'm so happy that I got to have those memories. I have really close friends and trust you guys all so much like that you would want to do this again. And I'll, I'd be happy to join it and do the third one. Yeah, man, I can't wait. And it's unreal to think that just in January, we were in Colombia and Cartagena, we were with 25 people in one house. I mean, you can't imagine that anymore now. Like 25 people in the same house, like that's dangerous. That's crazy, you know? Like it's, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. things have changed so so quickly. It's it's really, it's really crazy. I couldn't remember that I introduced you as the the person, the only person who's ever been on the podcast that we had to take the episode down because you shared a bunch of things that you you know, you were thinking, well, I don't know if I should have shared that. <laughs> um, may, have, may have had something to do with regulations. But, uh, but anyway, uh, it's good we have you back on because, you know, I'm not taking this one now. Okay, great. Yeah. I would say the memorable thing too, you know, like a deal like you saw with Rebecca and Erica, that was pretty exciting because I knew them from the first one. And I, and I hung out with them in New Orleans and I hung out with them in Austin. And so seeing their deal in Cartagena – was just incredible uh, having Rohan there who's acquired, you know, assets, hotels. And I saw that like in real action. So that was really cool. And I, I, I'm like, man, I, I, I love it. I'm going to try to learn as much as possible. That was really cool too. It's like something some I was interested in. I'm sure other people are too in acquiring assets, but that's something that you can see if you, if you visit, if you go to the legends, <laughs> stuff like that happening. Yeah, Rebecca, she was on the podcast uh, last week talking about VAs. I'm probably going to have her back on because I got so many, so much good feedback from people. Uh, they all loved, uh, everybody loves Rebecca and she's so knowledgeable. But, um, but yeah, what you're referring to, Rebecca and her partner, Erica, they bought Hicksville Trailer Palace. 
Uh, check it out on Instagram. It's an amazing, it's an amazing boutique hotel uh, in Joshua Tree. And uh, yeah, they're all like trailers and caravans and stuff. And uh, Rebecca and Erica, they put that deal together when we were in Cartagena at the event, which was really awesome to see something come out of that event, like an, acquiring an entire hotel. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, right? To acquire a hotel. I've never acquired a hotel. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. But, um, but yeah, that was awesome. The Hicksville Trader Palace is it. Yeah, Hicksville Trader Palace. Check it out on Instagram. Great pictures. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you're back on the podcast. Uh, this one, like I said, we're not uh, we're not taking this one down. And uh, just to finish this up, uh, tell us a little bit about the future. Like what you mentioned, Safari. What's your vision behind that? So, focusing on real estate, acquiring a few assets that I can also manage myself, and then with that, I will essentially work with other owners too, I'm sure in the, in the same location that I'm, I'm focusing on and I've targeted. And so that's basically the, the model. And to, to base, I'd also really, I don't plan to move to that market. I plan to work remotely so I can still have time, but take some of the things that I've learned, you know, how to have VAs and to set that up. So that's essentially what I'd love to do is, and then learn as much about real estate as possible, acquiring assets and being a part of as many deals as possible. Um, I feel like it's a new thing for me, so I don't have experience yet, but I think for the next five years, that's, that's where I'm going to, you know, lean on the legend network. And, you know, there's just a ton of real estate knowledge and professionals out there that I also plan to, to meet new ones too. So helping others in this, in your guys's network, I'm always available. If, if people want to discuss anything, I'm, I'm totally happy to, and looking forward to continuing our, this, this journey. And, and I know that, the next five years are going to be fun. You know, it won't be as hard as the last five years. I don't think. So. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that's a good point, by the way. Uh, why don't you let people know how they can get in touch with you? Cause you know, you've have so much experience in this space, seven years building a, a company up to a hundred units. And I know you're, uh, you're very generous with, uh, your knowledge and helping other people. So people want to reach out to you. Uh, what's the best way they can do that? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can just email me as well. Um, my name is Mac Owen and yeah, company's day one or you can find me on Facebook as well. Yeah. So the company is day one stays.com. So you can go there, check out the website. It's a pretty cool website, by the way. I love the, the video that you put up of uh, Seattle. I've had it on in the background, so <laughs> I keep kind of watching it. I'll put the uh, links in the show notes, of course, on getpaidforyourpet.com slash podcast. That's where you can find all the show notes of all of the 353 episodes I have done. And uh, if you want to reach out to Mac, uh, feel free to email me as well, jasper at getpaidforyourpet.com. Calm. So Mac, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to, you know, to kind of keep following you and, and seeing what you're going to build. I'm sure you're going to build something incredible. Yeah, man, I appreciate you as a member of our community. I know you're going to be successful again. You're not giving up. You just uh, keep crushing it. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what your journey is going to be in the next five years. You as well. I, I'm excited to, to see what you guys got next too. So it's exciting. And let's hope that we can uh, have some beers again soon at a Legends Life event. Some of the crazy dance parties. Yeah. That, that was... <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mac. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, next week we'll be back. So see you then. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for 
Hey, fellow hosts, if you want to take your hosting business to the next level, then join the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Whether you own, rent, or manage properties, we have the resources, the tools, and the community to help you achieve your goals. The Short-Term Rental Profit Academy is ready for any host, any size, and includes a membership portal with over 50 hours of video lessons, a private Facebook group, and weekly live coaching calls where Eric and I give you direct feedback and help you solve your biggest challenges. We're all about taking action and getting results. So if you're ready to start crushing it, sign up for our program at strprofitacademy.com.